Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who would love me to get him an ice cream machine, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? I'm doing well. I don't know if I would like an ice cream machine. I'm not a big ice cream person. Um, but, you know, I, I'd take it. I'd take a free ice cream machine. I mean, would, would you not take a free ice cream machine, Trevor? Oh, I absolutely would. And the reason I say that is because uh, tomorrow for Christmas, we, we do this thing at, like on my dad's side of the family where we do like a white elephant. And I so mm-hmm. I went to the store a couple of days ago and I was like, man, I don't know what to get. Usually it's like, you know, like $25, $30. You try to get something that's around that price right. range. So I was going in. I was at the mall. I was looking at Penny. And I found this ice cream machine, and it was on sale for twenty nine ninety nine. I was like, "Oh, this would be cool. It's it's universal. I think most people love ice cream, so you know, I'm sure it's going to be a, a hot commodity. You know, a lot of people are going to want it." Yeah, I I think an ice cream machine's solid, Trevor. I like that one a lot. Um, let's welcome in the third member of this podcast, which is of course Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you? I have a lot of thoughts about this ice cream machine, Trevor. Um, here here's here are my thoughts. I love ice cream. The fact that Brandon said he doesn't like ice cream is ridiculous. You um, know this, Ben. I know. I, I mean, I know. I'm just I'm reiterating the fact that it's ridiculous. Well, I do like it. It's not my favorite. Um, I love ice cream, Trevor, but for my experiences, like eating ice cream out of like a homemade ice cream machine, it's, it's terrible. It's garbage. But <laughs> that's just my opinion. <laughs> that's just my thought. So, Trevor, I'm just saying don't be upset when, when someone doesn't want to take the prize because they've had homemade ice cream and it's like a 4 out of 10. Really? Um, uh, Trevor, I know you haven't seen The Office, but you should have gotten an iPod. You should have gotten an iPod. For now, like, Trevor, iPod. I will say this: <laughs> I haven't had homemade ice cream in a long time. The last time I had it was when, like, I was like a kid, and like you know, in like science class, you make your own ice cream, and that sucked. But that could have just been me. So maybe it's not bad out of like this machine. But from my experiences, homemade ice cream um, is not the best. But Trevor, if no one wants that prize, I will gladly take it. So I just want to, I just want to keep it on the table that if no one wants the prize, I will, I will gladly accept. I think you know, it was offered to me as, first as your consolation recipient. Yeah, you said you didn't want it. You said you don't like ice cream. I'll tell you. I, I didn't. I didn't say. I said I might not want it. But I'm telling. I, I'm you telling Trevor. It, I, I do want, want it. it. I'm telling Trevor. I do want it. You might want it. I do want it. Yeah, I also want it. So I'll, I'll take it instead of Ben, considering right, it was offered whatever. to me first. Fine. You, but fine, you look, can have it. I don't want it. You can have it. Jokes on you. Just now wanted you have, to now say, you have an ice cream machine that you're never. Merry Christmas so to everyone listening. Um, we're recording this on Christmas Eve, so you know, tomorrow's Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone from the small ballers. Um, but I think we'll we'll start the podcast today. Um, and let's start with some college football. We got a, a couple of big games next weekend. Of course, the college football playoff. We have the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl. Um, let's start in the Fiesta Bowl. I think this is the slightly less interesting game. Um, Fiesta Bowl between number three TCU and number two Michigan. Um, as I've talked about on this podcast many times, I'm not confident in Michigan. Then they beat Ohio State by a lot. And then I got a lot more confident in Michigan. And this is a win for Michigan. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident about this. The line is seven and a half. Um, which is a pretty hefty line. I think TCU is a really good team, but I think just categorically Michigan kind of out covers them at every position. Maybe except running back now that Quorum is out. Um, I do think Donovan Edwards is a stud. He's one of my favorite Michigan players they've had pretty much ever. Um, so I, I think Michigan takes this game pretty handedly. Um, ben, any any major thoughts on on this game uh, going into that you know that weekend? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's not going to be a close game. I think TCU wins by at least 30 points. I don't think it's really <laughs> close. Uh, I think Michigan's going to be humbled. That was a joke, Brandon. I will say, though, I, I think there is absolutely one position that Michigan is outmatched, and that is at quarterback. I think TCU's quarterback is way better than Michigan's quarterback. I don't even know why. Like That's, that's not a debate, right? Or is that um, I think I think Duggan's good. I, I, I do really like him. I don't think they're like severely outmatched. I mean, Duggan's... What is he a senior at this point? Um, and McCarthy's this is his first year playing, and um, but that doesn't matter. I think one, I think one, one of them has better weapons. Like McCarthy definitely has better weapons, um, but I wouldn't say the position is like super outmatched at all, in my opinion at least. Okay, that's fine. Um, Michigan's a better team. I mean, uh, and TCU's been one of those teams like like they could easily not be here right now because they there's been like four or five games where they were so close to losing. Um, so they kind of, I don't want to say like limped their way into this because they've been a good team all year, but they kind of did like, they, they, they survived in advance week after week after week. Um, and Michigan, on the other hand, has kind of dominated every team they've played, at least, you know, other than maybe like that Illinois game or whatever. But I mean, they, they handedly beat Ohio State. They handedly beat whoever, Purdue or whoever in, in the Big Ten Championship. Like I think Michigan's coming into this game um, 
with much more confidence and much more like I'm more optimistic about their chance of winning than TCU just because TCU kind of struggled to get there. They took the long road. Michigan took the short the short route to get there. Um, so I expect Michigan to win. I mean, I, ho- I hope it's a good game, but I think there's a reason why. And maybe this is ridiculous because considering this is the 2-3 matchup, it should be the better game. But I think there's a reason why this is the 4 o'clock game and not the primetime game. That's just me. That's just me. Yeah. I think there's less intrigue for this game. And again, it's a two-three matchup, so you think on paper it should be closer, but I don't know. I just Michigan's really good, and TCU again, they've kind of they have been unimpressive in, at times getting getting to to where they are now. So um, they have a good quarterback, obviously a Heisman finalist and Max Dugan or whatever. But I think Michigan's a better team. I expect them to win by I'll say ten. I, I think they'll win by like ten. I think ten's a reasonable guess, and not yeah. that I'm not like, no disrespect to TCU at all. I think TCU's a really really good football team. I just think it's two slightly different levels of football here. Um, where TCU is kind of more in that second tier, where Michigan's more in the top tier. Uh, Trevor, any final thoughts on this game before we move to the the final game of that day? Yeah, final important game of that day. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I don't want to. Obviously, I wouldn't ideally wanted to make it a, a clean sweep where we all agree, but I do agree with you guys. I do think Michigan's going to win, and I think the biggest reason Michigan's going to win because of uh, essentially the war in the trenches, their offensive line, their defensive line, um, the the guys that they have. Um, up there, up front, protecting the quarterback, I think for Michigan, uh, is ultimately going to kind of win the day. I think their running game, again, Donovan Edwards has been awesome. Um, I don't know, Brandon, I guess you could you can say more on the status of Quorum and, and what he's going to do today. But I think regardless of Quorum whether he's is not playing, playing. He's out for yeah. the rest of the year. So he's he not playing. And I, and I don't really think it's going to matter because from what I saw from Donovan Edwards, I think he's awesome. I think he's going to have a big day just as he did against Ohio State. And I expect that to, you know, be the reason that Michigan controls the game and wins at the end of the day. I think Max Dugan, you know, although he is the better quarterback and he's been really good all season, I mean, maybe had a mistake or two in that K-State game that they lost. But overall, you look at his numbers. I mean, he was a Heisman finalist for a reason. He had an awesome season. But I think Michigan's going to, you know, I think he's going to be under a little bit of pressure. And I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult on him. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of an uphill battle. You know, I think they'll be in a position where they'll be down maybe two scores and they'll have to really throw it um, to, to get them back in the game. Um, and I just I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. It's going to be quite an uphill battle. So I'm, I'm going to take Michigan. Yeah, I think this is the uh, the reasonable pick here. Uh, let's move to the uh, what I would think is the more entertaining game. Uh, Georgia Ohio State, the line is six and a half to Georgia. Look, we've seen an incredibly dominant Georgia team. We've seen a relatively dominant Ohio State team who fell very much short to Michigan. Um, I, look, this this game I think is going to be a not bad one. I think there's a a good shot at Ohio State keeping it close, but Georgia's just just far and away the better team. Um, so I, I expect a Georgia win here. I think Ohio State would be able to hang around, but at the end, it'll probably, I think, scoot away from them a little bit. Um, not that they aren't capable at all, but I, I feel like we're at the beginning here of an Ohio State kind of uh, downtick uh, in the performance that we've seen over the last 10 years um, a little bit, and I, I think that this game is going to show that Georgia's on a slightly different level than Ohio State. Trevor, I'll throw this one to you first. Ohio State, Georgia, what do you think? So I think this game's, I'll say it's more unpredictable because I think like the Michigan TCU game, I, I just feel like I can see the way the game's going to go. And I feel more confident in my prediction that Michigan's going to win by about, I think Ben said 10. Yeah, I think it's pretty reasonable. 10, maybe 14, maybe 17, even something along those lines. I feel relatively confident in Michigan with this game. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, Georgia's the safe pick. It makes sense to pick Georgia. I would, I'm would, i picking Georgia to win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State won. I mean, it, it's just a matter of, like, I don't know. Ohio State, they seem to sometimes, they can pull together. They can have this magic in these semifinal games. We've seen it in the past. I know that's not really uh, the best argument to make when this season really has nothing to do with the 2014 season when Ezekiel Elliott went off against Alabama. It has nothing to do with that. But... Ohio State, it, it and at the same vein, they have looked really good at times this year, early in the season in particular. Um, later in the season, obviously, it wasn't quite as good, but if they can kind of reclaim, um, you know, that, that level of play that they had earlier in the season, it's possible. They have the talent on the, you know, they have the roster to compete with Georgia. They do. It's just a matter of can they put it all together um, or are they going to resort to the team that, that played against Michigan, you know? 
in that case, maybe Georgia could beat them by a lot. Like, that's possible too. Georgia might beat them by 30 points. It's possible. But, um, I don't know. It's a very unpredictable game overall. If you go somewhere in the middle, I, I think ultimately Georgia will win this by, you know, uh, I would say probably 10 points or something like that. Um, again, their defense is more reliable. They've been so consistent. I mean, they haven't lost a game for a reason in a better conference. So I have to go with the Bulldogs. But if Ohio State wins in a close one, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, Ben, uh, I'll throw this to you now. Any final thoughts on this game? I mean, yeah, this, this, it's a very intriguing game, and I think there's a lot of storylines coming out. I mean, with Ohio State, like, we haven't seen them in a long time. It's It's been, what, almost a month since we've seen them last play? So I expect them to come out, like, ready to go. I mean, they've had, for a month now, they've had to listen to this one. They've had to listen to Michigan say that they're better than them, which is true. Michigan is better than them. Um, but, but <clears throat> excuse me, too, they've had to kind of have this, they've had this, this narrative for the last month of, like what Brandon said, like, are, is this program on the downward trajectory? So I expect, I expect Ohio State to come out ready to play. I, I think they'll keep it close, maybe for a half, but kind of like what Brandon said, when it comes down to it, Georgia just has more talent. I mean, I, Georgia's going to pull away. I, I, I could probably see, like, maybe at some point in the third quarter, maybe that defense makes a big turnover or something like that. And Georgia kind of pulls away, and Ohio State maybe is playing catch-up down two scores the last quarter and a half or so. I kind of see the, the game happening like that. I will say, though, I mean, Georgia's defense is insane, but Ohio State has the talent on offense to, to compete with that defense. It's not like this, this Georgia defense, yes, they're, they're insane and they have all this NFL talent just like they did last year, but Ohio State has a lot of talent on offense. So it's not, I'm not worried about Ohio State in terms of against Georgia's defense. I think they can handle it. Um, if we see the same Ohio State defense that we saw against Michigan come out against Georgia, then they're in trouble because, yes, Stetson Bennett's not – this massive highlight reel or anything like that, but he knows where to put the ball. He knows how to read a defense, and Ohio State's defense was garbage against Michigan. So Georgia's the better team. They're the better team. I expect them to win, but I do think Ohio State will keep it close. Maybe I'm just hoping they keep it close so it's an entertaining game. I can see it being maybe a three-point game at halftime, and then Georgia making adjustments, and the better team ultimately, as it does often um, in these big-time games, I think the better team will prevail in the second half with Georgia winning by, I would say, probably two touchdowns. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a reasonable prediction. Um, so let's move along here. Um, we'll see how those games go. We'll move along. You know, we got a fun little segment here. We're going to do a nice little World Cup segment uh, with everyone's favorite, the soccer encyclopedia, Josh Baskin. So we're going to go over to that right now. All right, and here we are with our World Cup segment with the one and only soccer encyclopedia, one of my best friends, Josh Baskin. Josh, how are you? Welcome back on the pod. How are we doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for the fine introduction as always. It's a pleasure to be on the number one podcast in the world. Well, thank you. We, we like that. Um, you might be the only one giving us that regard. Of course, um, with me today, as always, is Trevor Reddick. I get to introduce you today, Trevor. What a, what a, well, I guess in this segment. Um, but, you know, uh, without Ben, Ben couldn't be here with us today. But Trevor, we're, of course, happy to talk soccer with you, as you were a previous soccer player in one of your past lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Definitely not as good as Josh, I, w- I would assume. He'd probably he'd probably cook me if he, we tried to go, I don't know, one-on-one or something. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this because, you know, we saw the final, and obviously the entire World Cup was awesome. It always is. It's always something I look forward to. But, you know, the U.S., I think they did decently well. You know, they made it out of the group stage. And then watching some of the, the games we had, the semis, and then obviously the final, which was the, the crowning moment, the awesome game that we had. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, of course. So let's get right into it, Josh. Um, where, where are we starting today? With the, the World Cup. Yeah, you know, we're going to be starting today with, like I uh, did on the last time you had me on. Unfortunately, we're without Ben as well. Uh, shout out you, Ben. Um, we're going to start with the USA and the squad. So I, I have three things, the good, the bad, and the optimism. And we're, gonna, we're always going to start off with the good. And the first note I have is that uh, some of the expectations with the U.S. team and the squad were, were there you know, were some highs and lows. But I'm going to start off first, you know, with Matt Turner, the goalie. You know, a lot of people didn't really know the goalie for the, uh, a long time. A lot of people knew Timmy H., big Tim Howard. He was bald, always made good saves, had great performances for us. Matt Turner's the first goalie since 1930 to keep the most clean sheets in a World Cup. So that's my first good note. My second good note, 
is that the USA so, uh, showed some good composure and some mental resilience. Uh, obviously, needing a win in the last game versus Iran, they get it done. Uh, getting a draw versus England, uh, seeing it nil-nil, having some good chances, uh, and then unfortunately just keeping a tie with Wales. But uh, like I said, uh, they had their Donovan moment, you can say, finally. I think for the past 12 years or so, this USA team has always been, you know, kind of had that moment in the back of their head as a lot of the guys now are here and got inspired from that World Cup, you know, including Matt Turner, who was a junior in high school and got inspired to play soccer from that. Um, so like I said, Pulisic gets the Donovan moment. They can move past that and uh, kind of have like a fresh start in a way. Um, our, our depth showed uh, some good some good things. Uh, I know a lot of teams didn't have as good of depth. And the USA, that was one thing that they did show uh, with some good rotation. Um we had some good uh, experience uh, with our veterans. They really stepped up. Now, I know we were one of the youngest teams in the tournament, but, for example, one of our main center backs of the tournament, Tim Ream, kind of came out of nowhere, plays for Fulham in the Premier League and has been with Fulham for the past uh, basically like eight to ten years or so, really, uh, and has been in and out of the championship and Premier League, a big yo-yo club, and he really stepped up. But also in terms of the veteran, uh, you know, games that a lot of our players now play in Europe have that experience. For example, one of our best players is probably 19-year-old and youngest USA participant, uh, Eunice Musa. Um, he came. Uh, he comes out of Valencia. He was English uh, and came and decided to represent the USA. He was one of our players in the midfield, number six, uh, arguably the USA's best player this tournament with a lot of experience. You know, playing in England in Arsenal's academy. Having that European experience in the midfield was was really good, and it showed in a team like in a game like England. Uh, also, with a guy you know like Cameron Carter Vickers, who stepped in at center back in the game versus Iran. He plays in the Champions League and uh, in the Scottish Prem with the best team in Celtic. Um, so that's another good note that I had. Uh, one thing uh, with the U.S. Uh, is that at the end of the day, there are going to be a few bad notes. I only have a few. Uh, the rotation of squad was not used as well as the depth we had. The big thing uh, that you guys might have seen is that Gio Reyna out of Borussia Dortmund and someone I talked about on the first kind of episode with you, Brandon, someone I really thought would be a key player for the U.S. team and didn't really feature a lot, didn't really come on as a sub too often, and when he did, it was for mainly like 10 to 15, 20 minutes-ish, and that's not something that you should have seen from him. There was a lot of uh, things behind the scenes that you may have seen or heard about possibly with him and Greg Berhalter, the coach, and ultimately, Burhalter, uh, the coach who I, I talked about at the beginning, also, like I said, wasn't a big fan of. He didn't take enough ris uh, risks in his tactics uh, and play on the field. Um, he was easily outclassed in that last game against Louis Van Hall in the Netherlands. Um, and ultimately, I think because of his stubbornness, uh, you know, I think he did okay, but I think he needs to go. Uh, for the squad, uh, I leave it as a 7 out of 10, like I said at the beginning. Uh, but my optimism is that, you know, we look forward to 2026 now. Uh, we're going to be hosting with Canada and Mexico. Uh, we have a young squad. We were one of the top three youngest squads of the tournament in terms of average starting and just team overall. Uh, another good thing is who's up next? You know, 2018 not making it. We see a lot of guys uh, came out of really nowhere in a way. Someone like Brendan Aronson out of Leeds. Uh, Tyler Adams, our captain now, out of Leeds as well, who's really stepped up. And guys that weren't really uh, known in, in even really 2018 when the U.S. Uh, didn't make it. Um, you know, we have four more years of de uh, development and, you know, we, like I said, look forward to 2026. So that's my, you know, summary of the squad. Sorry, I was rambling for a good few minutes. No, you're, you're Hey, good. no, we like the ramble. We love hearing about the squad. Um, and hopefully they can get kind of the striking. Is, is there any hope at the striker position for us? That was my question. <laughs> there, There is hope at the striker position. We do have a lot of guys up there. However, there's not one consistent out-and-out -out guy that's, you know, bang on should be first, you know, automatic striker on the team sheet. There was a lot of rotation. We started with Josh Sargent. Uh, then we went to, oh gosh, uh, Tim, Jesus Tim Ferreira. Tim, Tim Weah was out on the right, and he was a, a really good guy that played well in terms of that experience with playing in Europe. Like I said, with Musa, he plays out in Lille. I thought he should have been the striker up front so that Reyna could have started or Aronson and kept Pulisic on the left, but... Like I said, Burholter was stubborn in his tactics. I think there's a lot of hope for the U.S., like I said. A lot of the guys are 20 to 23. They're going to be in the arguably primes of their career at 25 through 27, 28. And it's going to be here in the U.S. So 
there is hope at the striker position. Uh, midfield's still going to be locked down, and I'm hoping to see hopefully a new center back come through. There is one that plays for Crystal Palace and was part of Byron's uh, academy and first team. His name is Chris Richards. He didn't get selected. I didn't mention him on the first episode, someone I forgot about uh, for the exclusion of the squad. Hopefully he's a guy that's in there next year as he's, like I said, playing with Crystal Palace in the Premier League, one of my favorite uh, you know, non-top six teams in Europe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Because interesting. I thought, because I was going to ask about the striker thing too, because like, I don't know, I thought like Tim Weo was decent. I mean, Sargent didn't necessarily do a whole lot. He was not terrible, but he also but none of them really... are really strikers, yeah, right? Well, yeah. no, we do have strikers, and and one of them, like I said, that should have they I thought they should have brought was Jordan Pifok out in out in Union Berlin in Germany. He's really kind of got the size of Haji Wright, but or more so, he's got the size of Josie Altidor, the speed of someone bigger like a Haji Wright, or even Josh Sargent if you think he's pretty uh, fast or quicker. Uh, and like I said, has experience. Played with BSC Young Boys out in Switzerland. Uh, and played in the Champions League against guys like Manchester United a few years ago in 2019. And he has that experience and, like I said, plays uh, in a Europe, uh, Europa League side in Union Berlin. He should have came for sure, I thought. Um, and like I said, I don't want to ramble on too much about it. Um, I want to get into some other stuff, but yeah. Absolutely. The last quick thing I'll just say, um, to me, and, and you could tell me if you disagree or agree, it seemed like the strength of this U.S. team was the midfield. I, I felt like, obviously, you have Pulisic, but some of these other guys, like Musa, uh, Aronson, when yeah, he would come off the bench. For sure. um, obviously, I mean, Dest is more of like a right back, but he would come up in attacking yeah. positions, and I thought he was really good. It seemed like the strength was the midfield, and they kind of have that solidified. A lot of these guys are young. It's kind of like getting a really solid answer at striker. And then I think additionally with the back line, particularly that Netherlands game, they really exposed our defense a couple of times. So I think you can argue that in the back line, they may need a couple answers there. Obviously Tyler Adams, I think he's solidified himself. He was the captain. I love him personally. Um, but I think maybe there's one or two other positions. Obviously Des was the right back, but maybe that other center back position, as you kind of mentioned, maybe even left back. I don't know, but those are just some of my thoughts. Yeah, you know, one thing is that, uh, like I said, I, I kind of have a maybe like a corny saying. I have an Eminem for the midfield for Musa, Adams, and McKenney because they're going to be the lockdown three bang-on midfielders for, for the next decade, in my opinion. Um, no one's really going to break that. You have the box-to-box and experience of Musa as well as McKinney, and then you have the leadership, the captaincy, and, and hardship and heart and soul of this team of Adams there. Pulisic is more so on that left wing. Um, does drop a little bit deeper because he's got to play a bit more defensively than someone like a Gio Reyna if he's in there. Um, the striker's not really asked to do a ton of defending in general. So, yeah, Pulisic would most so, more so be on that left wing. But like I said, with Chris Richards, that's a def- central defender, hopefully, that comes through. Uh, and like I said as well, that midfield is locked in. Awesome. Interesting. All right, well, let's, let's get to some of the results of the World Cup. Uh, and why don't you run us through some of your thoughts? Yeah, so, uh, you know, with the first game, like I uh, said in your episode, Brandon, I thought it could have been 1-0, but don't be surprised if it was 1-1, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, Very 2010 vibes, like I said, they leave it to the last game versus Iran. They tie England again in a solid performance. Uh, Ultimately, the the few notes I have, even with those three games, as well as the Netherlands uh, round of 16 game, they, this U.S. team needs to take their chances, and they've had a lot of early moments, uh, and they need that ma- uh, you know magic moment in the beginning. Brandon, when we were watching the Iran game, you know they had moments they could have taken all throughout the match, obviously, but early on they really could have put the game to bed. In the Netherlands game, Pulisic was one on one, missed an easy you know I don't want to say easy chance, but missed a one on one chance, which is considered a golden opportunity in the first three minutes. Uh, and in general, even with England, hit the bar a few times. England's sloppy and vulnerable, and we don't take that chance. Uh, so ultimately, they, they, this this team needs to take their chances a lot better. And they got outclassed in that, uh, in that Netherlands game. Like I said, Netherlands uh, and Louis van Hall played a 5-3-2, countered on the uh, counterattack very well, uh, and just caught the USA out all three goals, basically. Now, the one question I really have is it's just simple defending uh, of runners and, and marking the back post. Pretty simple, uh, like I said, defending uh, or, or did you just get outplayed? And that's okay-ish, in my opinion, because, uh, like I said, the three goals I don't think were all that great. It, it was down to somewhat simple defending, but, does it, like I said, is that more so a question of, you know, just Netherlands having better attack and, and a better game plan, or is it just the USA's poor defending, ultimately? 
Interesting. So let's 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 get to some of you know the the more premier matches, the final and stuff. I'm super interested to hear because I didn't get to watch the final with you. Um, so I, I'm super interested to hear what you have to say about those games. Yeah. So the World Cup final. Uh, you know, I was talking to Trevor about it as well for a little bit. You know, is this the best game ever in terms of not even the World Cup but just soccer? Um, it's it's definitely the best final ever in a World Cup for sure. Um, you know, Brandon, I've been watching the World Cups in, uh, since '06, and and we're here in uh, 2022, and I don't know if I've seen a better final uh, in terms of, of you know the moment, uh, the stakes. Um, in my opinion, you know, we'll start off first. Messi obviously has two goals and and the uh, penalty kick uh, to secure it for Argentina. Seven goals, three sir, uh, seven goals and three assists. It will go down as his best World Cup ever. Um, secondly, obviously, Mbappe, this dude is 23 years old, has 12 goals in 16 World Cup games. He's going to pass Miroslav Klose at the next World Cup he plays in in 26, uh, with, uh, which is 16. And, and that's going to be just outstanding if I'm Mbappe. I really don't know what else more I can do as he's the one I think that made the final what it is. Obviously, Messi and the, and the stakes of him cementing the greatest of all time and, and this, that, the other. Um, I'm not going to talk about that yet, but... Uh, Mbappe really made it in that minute and a half with that PK and the and that one arguably I thought should have been goal of the tournament um, and then oh, yeah. uh, the the third thing we talked about before the pod as well you guys is the goalie for Argentina Emmy Martinez not as only uh, is he he may be a troll off the field but on the field obviously the the PK shootouts and the ones leading up to it with the mind games um, you know this really did come down to a Luis Scaloni and uh, Didier Deschamps tactical battle after going down 2-0 in the first half in the 40th minute Deschamps pulls Olivier Giroud and Ousmane Dembele and brings on Tok, uh, Carl, to- uh, Carl uh, oh my god Kola Mouani and uh, Marcus Turam and it completely changes the game for them I haven't seen a double substitution in the first half and maybe ever like I said been watching the World Cup since 06 soccer maybe since like 05 and I don't know if I've seen a double substitution that early in a competitive match, let alone a World Cup final. Um, and, and with Argentina, you know, they allow no space for France and Griezmann in that midfield. You know, part of Argentina and their South American style is they don't let teams breathe. And that Argentina-Netherlands game is one of the best games I've seen as well. There was, you know, a, a decently big fight of both teams clearing. Not really a fight, but both teams cleared, and that's not really frequent and seen often. Uh, Leon Adjo uh, Paredes kicked the ball at the Netherlands bench. It's a pretty good clip on uh, YouTube and stuff if you go see it to see the little fight. Van Dyke comes in and mm-hmm. just launches uh, Leo Paredes with a nice uh, body shove. Um, but back to the final, like I said, a, a brilliant tactics game that changed after, like I said, uh, the 79th minute. Uh, Nicholas Otamendi gives up a PK on Toko. On, well, I keep saying Toko Akambe because there is a guy in Cameroon that's name is Carl Toko Akame and I'm trying to talk about Carl uh, Toko Mwani or Kola Mwani excuse me um, and he wins a penalty on Nico Otamendi uh, Mbappe scores and then like I said a minute later gets the second goal on Loris um, and just ultimately changes the game and, and provided arguably the best game of all time for the next 45 minutes um, what did you guys think of this final? Because I know you guys were recording the podcast as it was going on. I'm surprised you guys didn't mention anything that, like, they tied it or anything as it was going on. Right. So I think, like, one of the things that I'll say is, like, there were at least three or four different points where I thought Argentina won. I was like, Arge- number one, like, they scored the two goals. I was like, I don't know. Can France really get two in the second half? I know Netherlands did it, but I was just like, the way the game was going, it seemed like Argentina had full control. And then, really, I mean, Kylian Mbappe, I don't think we can understate how amazing— I know they lost, but, like, yeah. how amazing he played in this game. I mean, to have those For sure. two goals back-to-back and then have the penalty at the end, that was another point. I thought the game was over. After Messi gets the goal in the 108th minute, it's 2-1 in extra time. I was like, I don't know. Can France really get a goal in these last 12 or so minutes? I didn't really think so. And then Mbappe, you know, he, he got another penalty. So I think it can't be under, understated how awesome he is. And he's, to me, I mean, Messi and Ronaldo, they're both in their, like, late 30s. Mbappe, to me— 35 and 37. Yeah. As an outsider looking in, like, he's the obvious face of soccer. Yeah. Just overall. Yeah, he's he's next up. the world. Well, he's already here, essentially. Uh, The torch was passed, not stolen, uh, was kind of the term that a lot of people were saying. 
Um, and then next to Mbappe, a guy that wasn't at this World Cup, I'm sure you two might know. His name's Erling Holland out of Man City. He came from Dortmund and mm-hmm. uh, RB Salzburg and Molde. Um, so he's, in my opinion, I think he's more so of the Ronaldo and Mbappe's actually more so of the Messi. I think uh, Holland is more of that assassin and killer rather than Mbappe, who's kind of the baby face assassin in a way, like Messi. You know what I mean? <laughs> or Steph Curry, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 we don't like that man. The baby face. Um, but anyway, any, um, <laughs> well, uh, like I said, arguably an incredible final. Um, there's a lot of things about this World Cup besides the actual play that we're not going to speak about that wasn't as good. Um, but in terms of soccer and what we got, like I said, I have, I have about three or four moments I want to talk to you guys about that I thought were kind of my highlights, uh, maybe not uh, as popular of opinion, maybe, uh, but... Like I said, uh, if you guys want, I've got four moments here. I can go into those. Yeah. Um, number four, honorable mention, like we've already just talked about him, just Mbappe in, in himself, um, really kind of just, this is one of those first times where like he, I've really seen him, you know, put the put the team on his back like Greg Jennings did versus the Saints. Um, no, he, he really carried the load and, and had that demeanor of, I have to take this into my own account as Ronaldo and Messi would have done and still do uh, to get to where they are in, in terms of the football heir uh, and, and football legend. Uh, so I, he's at number four for everything he's done. Number three is Group E and Japan. Now, guys, I don't know if this was really something that you, you watched and it's okay, but in Group E, we have arguably uh, one of the, the most uh, fun groups I've seen ever in a World Cup. You have Japan, Spain, Germany, and Costa Rica. Now going in, like we said, Spain and Germany to the casual, they're going through. However, you know, the first game, Japan stuns Germany. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Germany goes on and, and, and uh, excuse me, uh, Japan then goes on to play Costa Rica and, and all of a sudden Costa Rica beats them. Uh, Spain smacked Costa Rica 7-2. to two. Um, and then when Germany and Spain play, it's a 1-1 draw. And then going into the last day of the group, you have uh, Japan beat Spain to certify that they're going to be number one on six points, two to one. But what was crazy was that uh, Spain, Germany, or Costa Rica all could have still finished second. What happened was Germany goes up 2 nothing on Costa Rica. They're going through, you know. And then all of a sudden, Costa Rica comes back to tie it at 2-2, two to two, then all of a sudden they're going through because Spain is losing and Costa Rica is going to get the win and be on four points while Spain isn't on four points. They'd only be on three. It goes crazy. Uh, Germany then scored two more to put it to bed, but Japan and Spain go through in Group B, leaving Germany in third place on four points and Costa Rica in fourth place on three points. So that was my number three moment. Number two, we're going to have Messi in Argentina. I know that's what everyone's going to want in there and should be in there, honestly. I don't have it number one because I'm not a Messi fan. Hate me if you want. I don't care. Uh, number one is actually going to go to Morocco. They are the first team from Africa to make it to the semifinal ever of the World Cup. Uh, they have avenged uh, Ghana uh, for what Luis Suarez and Uruguay did to them in 2010. You guys would have known that he was the one that you know used his hands to knock it off the line. Asamoah John misses a penalty, then they go to penalties, tied at 1-1, and then Uruguay wins on penalties. So Morocco, they beat Spain. Uh, The guy that uh, won it in the PK shootout, his name is Akraf Hakimi. He plays right back for PSG with Sergio Ramos of Spain, and when he chipped the goalie to win, he did Sergio Ramos's penguin waddle dance to troll them. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. that was a great moment you had, but not only that, they tied Croatia in the group. Croatia was in my uh, number five moment for how far they got and how well they've played. No one really had them, even getting close to that uh, round of eight or even close to the semifinal in general. Again, um, Morocco beats Belgium two nothing. Um, Belgium was also another uh, surprise of the tournament I had for how bad they were, um, and then they go and beat Canada two one, and they come out seven points on top of the group. Um, they then uh, go on and play Spain, and like I said, they win 3 nothing on penalties. And then they go and ruin my life, and they beat Portugal one nothing off of a Yusuf and Nasiri free header at the front post. And uh, that, that sealed the semifinal bout for Morocco, and that's my top moment of the tournament. Boys, what a great tournament it was. 
We got it we got amazing. we got four more years to look forward to. Uh, the USA automatically qualifies because we're hosting it, so we don't gotta, you know, uh, worry about all of qualification necessarily. But still, we want to be strong going into that tournament, hosting for the first time since 1994. Four-year early prediction. Last World Cup final in the USA, like I said, in 1994 was Argent. Excuse me, Brazil versus uh, Italy. Brazil won in PKs. Um, so my early prediction. Uh, is that Brazil is going to win it in 26 against the USA. Who knows if that's even going to be possible, but let's just wow. throw it out there. My, be, that'd be quite a run. You know, like ESPN does for the draft, after the, the day after the draft, the way too early college football right. draft. This is my right. way too early World Cup prediction. Hey, you heard like it here that. first. Look, I think, I think we'll, we'll end it on that. I mean, that's Also, that's, all of that's my predictions prediction for the individual awards were all wrong. Um Messi won. <laughs> yeah, I really don't. Messi won golden ball. Uh, so or, Messi won player of the tournament. Mbappe won the golden boot for most goals. Uh, Enzo Fernandez of Benfica and Argentina midfielder won young player of the tournament, and Emmy Martinez won goalie of the tournament with the most clean. Sheet. And there we so. go. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there, and we'll send it back uh, to, of course, our podcast. Um, let's see, uh, Trevor, Josh, any, any, well, really, Josh, any, anything you want to say before we? Of course, we sign thank you, you for having me on. Is it's a tradition? Can't go on the pod without mentioning our our boy, Coach Noah. Shout out to you, Noah. Uh, happy holidays. Noah. This is the day before Christmas. I don't know if y'all are doing that or oh, the Christmas Eve. I'm being stupid. I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys actually said that on the pod. Well, guess what? I just ruined it. We we did. We did. We said Merry oh, Christmas. I didn't ruin it. Okay, good. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Happy holidays. You know. Yes. Uh everyone we got a lot of good soccer coming up premier leagues back all the leagues are coming back mm-hmm. because of the winter which is awesome look out for good days games on boxing day uh, around the new year and um as trevor would say go falcons yeah <laughs> yes. or, or go, gunners. <laughs> go gunners too go gunners no 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 yes. no no <laughs> brandon's been wa- brandon right. and i've been watching watching soccer since 0506 trevor i don't think you want to know what we know Okay. Because <laughs> Arsenal hasn't won a All Premier right, we'll League title we'll... in that time. I don't think. No, they won in 0304. Yeah, so since since you've been watching, they haven't won. Basically. That's not my <laughs> problem. Like that sounds like your problem, from, from Trevor. Trevor. Trevor, maybe you need to start watching more United so that United wins. I'd appreciate no, that. No, 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 no. Right, I mean, you well, should be happy, I, I Trevor. Was... I got a I got an Arsenal jersey with you in Chicago and United. I got both. That's true. He did. He That's did. True. He Very did. true. That is I true. don't switch sides. That is true. I mean, I do, but and you just like jerseys. Like jerseys. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll send it. We'll send it back back to all three of us. Um. So we enjoy the rest of the the podcast, and I'll, I'll send it back now. All right. Look, Trevor. I, I, Josh is always great. I, I say this every time he comes on the podcast, but Josh is always amazing. We love having him on. Thank you so much for being on, Josh. Um, and yeah, the World Cup was great, Trevor, but you know, you, obviously you guys just heard us talk about it. Um, so let's keep on moving along here. Let's go on over to the NBA. Um, and uh, look, Trevor, the, the Warriors, uh, without Steph have been struggling a bit, don't you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a complete 180. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, you know, we, we look at some of these like Christmas day games um, and I feel like some of them, like you look at like the Warriors who are now 15 and 18, some of them would have been really good, but we do have some really, really good Christmas day games. So, so any Christmas day games that you want to talk about, maybe we'll give some of our predictions here. Yeah. Well, first I want to go into the Warriors kind of in depth here because the Warriors, they, you know, they're at, they have really have a real dilemma here with their team. They're 15 and 18. Uh, Steph Curry got sidelined, uh, a little over a week ago, uh, with a, you know, a late labrum injury, shoulder injury. He's supposed to be out for at least another three weeks. Um, and, you know, a lot of times with these injuries, they'll come out, they'll release a timeline, they'll say, all right, this is what, you know, it's going to take maybe three to four weeks. A lot of the time it ends up being a little bit longer than that, we often see, just because they want to make sure they don't rush someone back. Um, you also have Andrew Wiggins, who had a groin injury. He hasn't played, I think, the last eight, eight or nine games now. Um, he's questionable in tomorrow's Christmas Day game against the Warriors. Um, even Clay has been day to day. I think he missed a game this week. Um, his injury, I think he, it's much more minor with Clay. I think there, it's more of just like a, you know, we don't want to put too much minutes on him. But he probably is dealing with some minor uh, nagging stuff. So, you know, the injuries are kind of piling up for the Golden State Warriors. And 
they already have had issues as we've talked about their depth uh is you know definitely not as good as it was last year obviously losing a guy like Gary Payton um an auto porter you know big pieces that contributed to the Warriors last season off the bench key pieces and now they're relying so much on a guy like Steph to play heavy minutes a guy like Andrew Wiggins Clay Thompson Jordan Poole and Steph now we see he was having like I you can argue an MVP season he was having you know putting up awesome statistics now he's hurt he's out Andrew Wiggins a guy who's very reliable and key he's been out for a while now um the hope is that he comes back and Jordan Poole is not really playing as well as he was last year. He kind of had like a coming out party last year. He was a big part of the Warriors run. And now he hasn't been quite as good this season. Um, so it's these issues now with the Warriors. They're piling up. And if you look at this Western Conference, they are now 15 and 18. They are out of the playoff picture. And they have this home stretch that they go on. Their next eight games are all at home for the Warriors. Um, and I think when that ends, I think about two to three weeks from now, uh, is a road game against the, uh, let's see here, a road game against the San Antonio Spurs, which theoretically could be when Steph Curry comes back. Cause that's like a timeline. Um, that's like the timeline that was given by, you know, sources. So over these next eight games, if the Warriors are 15, 18 right now without Steph, if they don't at least like go even, I mean, they they might go three and five in these eight. They might go two and six in these eight. If they go say say they go two and six in these in these eight games, then you're looking at seventeen and twenty four. And Steph Curry is fresh off of injury, coming back, and he has to kind of, uh, in a way, like carry this team to a playing spot to a to a six seed potentially. It's just a lot of it's a very much an uphill battle right now, and. Like I said before, the bench is an issue. So the Warriors, number one, they have to get healthy. They have to get Andrew Wiggins back. Hopefully he comes back soon because that can help them win more games without Steph Curry. And then hopefully Steph Curry's, you know, he does come back in that three to four week timeline. And then additionally, at some point before the trade deadline in February, if they want to win a title, if they want to defend their title, go back to back, have any shot of doing that, they need to make additions or moves around the around the margins, around the edges to add to this team that you already have in place to get them in a position to do that. Because right now, I, I don't think they have the team to do that, even if they are healthy. I think that Memphis has a better overall roster, what they have coming off of last year. I think they're even better this year. You have Denver, who obviously they're d- dealing with their own health problems, but they have Jokic, Jamal Murray's been back, and he's been, you know, getting himself you know, back together, you have the Pelicans who have been a little bit of a surprise. They've looked awesome overall. And then you have, you know, other teams that are always in the mix too, like Phoenix, like Dallas, uh, Damian Lillard's been playing really well for Portland. So it's tough for Golden State. So, you know, I'm really interested to see what happens over these next couple weeks to see what they can do without Steph. Can they at least keep this thing to float and win maybe four of the next eight? I think they really need to do so um, before Steph comes back. Yeah, and it'll it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they are able to kind of, you know, regain from from Steph coming back and making it through his injury. Um, but let's get to this Christmas ga- Day games. Um, Trevor, you know, why don't you run through each one, give us a little little uh, you know prediction for the game, and then Ben and I will give give our predictions. Yeah, so we'll we'll start with the we'll just go in chronological order. We have the Sixers and Knicks, um, noon Eastern. This game's in uh, New York. And the Knicks have been on a little bit of a run here. They're at 18-15. Uh, the Sixers are at 19-12. I actually think this is going to be a really good game. Um, and I uh, I would probably pick Philly in this one. I think it's going to be a close one, a really good game. It's in the garden. But I think with Joel Embiid, I think going to be a little bit too much. And I think Philly is going to be able to have a good game in this one. And I would pick uh, the Sixers. Uh, Brandon, what, what do you think for this game? Who is your pick? All right, Sixers minus two. I'll take the Knicks. It's in New York, and I kind of want to go against you. Uh, these teams like, <laughs> seem like they're kind of close. I'll go with the Knicks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ben, how about you? What do you think? Yeah, uh, it's going to be Sixers by a lot, and here's why. The Knicks are mis- missing a very big physical presence down low called Obadiah Toppin, um, which means they have no chance. So I'll take Sixers by at least 20. Oh, nice, nice uh, pronunciation there. I don't think Brandon could have done that. 
Um, moving on. But he's not a he's not a fan like I am. <laughs> moving on to the next one. Uh, Lakers Mavericks. Another interesting game. You have obviously LeBron versus Luca. You know it's going to be interesting. Obviously Anthony Davis is out, which is so unfortunate that you know you know this injury has happened for Davis after he's been playing so incredibly well for the Lakers. Obviously without Davis, they have issues. They're a pretty different team considering how great he has been. And this one, I have to go with Dallas. Um, Luke has been awesome. The supporting cast hasn't always been great around him, but you know, I think they are starting to play a little bit better. And ultimately Dallas is the better team. I expect Luca to have a big night. He just had 50 points last night. He had a really good night. I think he'll have a solid night. And uh, I think his supporting cast will be a little more reliable than LeBron. So I got to go with uh, the Mavericks in this one. Uh, ben, who are you taking? I'm taking the team that has LeBron James. Uh, I'm taking the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't even care that Anthony Davis has made a glass. Um, just give me LeBron like 1v5, and I'm, I'm still taking LeBron. Honestly, what we should do, I don't care about either team's role players. Just give me LeBron versus Luka for 48 minutes. Like I'd be totally fine with that. Um, but I'll still take the Lakers. I'll take the Lakers, Trevor. One team has LeBron. The other team doesn't. That's an easy answer. Yeah, absolutely. It could I, be. I, yeah, go ahead. Brandon's probably going to say the same thing. I couldn't agree more with Benny. I'm taking the Lakers. If you have LeBron James, I'm taking your team. It's that simple. One-to-one ratio. LeBron equals winning. Pretty much. I'm awesome. taking Bron. <laughs> Just not the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. And they've been, they've been a little better recently. So. Yeah, they're like, what, almost 500, Trevor? Man, they're killing it. <laughs> no, they're, 13, they're a good 19. deal under 500. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, all right. So that's that game. Uh, third game we have. This is definitely the headliner for me. It's not yes, even close. Absolutely. Uh, it's Bucks Celtics in Boston at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, and I'm gonna be sitting in front of my TV, camped. I don't know. I I don't know where we'll be. I mean, we we have to travel and go to different places on Christmas, but I will be camped in front of my TV for this entire game. I am so excited to see Bucks Celtics because I think this will be a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals, and honestly, it might be uh, whoever wins that series might win the entire championship, might win the finals. Um, in my estimation right now, at least. So this is going to be a really good game. I can't wait to see it. Um, it's in Boston. So, you know, Boston just got Robert Williams back. They have been struggling a little bit more. Um, one of the reasons why is because, you know, they were, you know, on fire shooting the ball. I mean, their three-point shooting numbers were in- insane. Um, they've come back down to earth a little bit for Boston lately. Um, but I, you know, I expect Boston to pull this one out. I think that with Robert Williams back in, I think that we're going to start to see this defense, um, get closer to the level it was at last year. And I think the Celtics will pull out a close win here. Um, Milwaukee was missing Chris Middleton on Wednesday. I'm not sure if he's supposed to play tomorrow or not, but, uh, overall I'm going to, I'm going to lean toward Boston here. Um, but I, I just can't wait for this game. Uh, Brandon, who are you going with, the Bucks or the Celtics? I'm going with the Celtics as well. Uh, I just think they're a little bit better. That's that's kind of as simple as I can put it. Uh, obviously, you know, Tatum, Giannis, uh, matchup is going to be lovely to watch. Uh, I'm going to take Tatum in this one, though, and the Celtics win this game. Awesome. Uh, ben, what do you, what do you think? I, I wanted to take the Celtics, but I, I don't want to agree with you guys. So I'll take the Bucs. Um, the Celtics have been struggling. Yes, Trevor. You, you're, I mean, like I was just looking at their last six or seven games. They've been struggling. But it, I wouldn't even call it struggling. I would just say what's more of they're coming back to earth after starting off on fire. Um, but I'll take the Bucs. I'll disagree, I'll disagree with you too. It is going to be a, a raucous arena. It's going to be a tough place to play. But Milwaukee has shown the last however many years that they, they, that, that team is built for those kind of games. Um, they have Giannis. They'll have the best player on, on, on the floor. So I'll take the Bucs in that one. Awesome. Uh, the fourth game we have here, uh, Grizzlies-Warriors. Again, we, we talked about the Warriors. This game had the potential to be an incredible game after last year in the playoffs. You know, there was a little bit of beef going back and forth between Draymond Green, you know, John Morant, stuff like that. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, we're not going to get to see all the players on the floor for the Warriors in this one. Uh, so I got to go with the Grizzlies. You know, the Grizzlies are the better team. I think the Grizzlies are the best team in the Western Conference right now. Um, I, uh, they'd be for me, I I think on the podcast, maybe three or four weeks ago, I said they were the dark horse to win the title, which, or I mean, not to win the title, but like to make the finals out of the West and dark horse isn't even the right word right now. I I think they're the favorite to make the finals out of the West right now. I think they're the best team in the West. And I think they will beat the Warriors handily because the Warriors don't have Steph. They might have Wiggins, which is going to help, but 
overall, I just think Memphis has too much talent, and it's going to show on the floor on uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Uh, ben, what do you, what do you think? Grizzlies, Warriors, who you got? I mean, Trevor, it's it's hard to to pick the Warriors after you uh, very intelligently broke down all their issues a few minutes ago. So I feel like I have to take the Grizzlies. I mean, for everything you said, like the Warriors are struggling. Steph being hurt is not good. I think that's pretty uh, common sense there. Um, the 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 hangover is is absolutely real for the Warriors this year. They they've been struggling all year. And yeah, John Morant. I mean, and this goes back to what we said last year. But like the Grizzlies are, it's hard to root against the Grizzlies. Like they're just a fun team to root for. Um, they're a team that has not always they're not they have not been good like they are not this historically great franchise or anything like that they're they're easy to get behind they have a fun player in John Morant um, I think the Warriors win this or, uh, excuse me I think the Grizzlies win this game I think they're clearly the better team and the Warriors are absolutely struggling right now yeah, g- give me the Grizzlies I'm not betting against John Morant uh, especially with a Steph Curryless uh, Warriors team so uh, I'll take the Grizzlies easy one here I think four and a half is low I agree right. it is low. It does seem low to me as well. Uh, last but not least here, the night game, Suns versus Nuggets. This game is in Denver. Um, I'm going to take the Nuggets. The Nuggets have been playing really well recently. Uh, I am definitely interested in this game. I think it could be a good one. Uh, Phoenix, you know, they've been a little up and down. Um, obviously, Devin Booker has been awesome, but, you know, obviously Chris Paul, he's, he's another year older. We're seeing the scoring numbers going down. Um, he's, he's not quite the same scoring presence, obviously that he was in you know, in his prime. Um, and the nuggets, I, I think look better right now. Jokic is kind of, he's won two straight MVPs. Could he win a third? I don't know. I, I wouldn't completely put it out of the question, but I, I got to take Denver here. Uh, Brandon, who you got? You know, I, I'll go against you here. I'll take the Suns. I'll take the underdog in this game. I took two away teams. Um, and, uh, I guess three away teams, four away teams. I took, I, I took almost all away teams actually. Um, and I'll go with it again here. Take the Suns, uh, in this game. Jokic goes down. Four and a half is too big here for the Nuggets. You know, Brandon, here's, here's the thing. I kind of agree with you and I don't know why, but I kind of want to pick the Suns in this matchup. Um, and I know that, I know that Denver's better. I know that Jokic is the best player on the court in this game, but the Phoenix Suns have a secret weapon. Chris Paul just graduated from college. He's going to use that college degree. He's going to use that intelligence that he just gained, and he's going to find a way to take down the Denver Nuggets in this game. Congratulations to Chris Paul. He is going to uh, cap off a fantastic weekend of him graduating with a win against the Denver Nuggets. That's my prediction. Wow. A very yes, unintelligent sir. prediction. I just that was, a, that was a terrible reason to, <laughs> to uh, say that Chris Paul is going to win, but I just saw that yesterday, so I'm going to use that as, as his advantage. Yeah, I'm a little surprised you picked the Suns, considering you're not exactly the the biggest Chris Ball fan on planet. No, no, he's he's a loser. But every time I think of the Nuggets and and Jokic, I just think of that pitch that picture that always circulates of him when he was like 13. And he looks like the most unathletic kid of all time. He look he looks more unathletic in that picture from when he was 13 than like Brandon does, which is very hard to do. <laughs> um, Hold on there. So it always makes me just like be like, all right. There's no way that kid. There's no way that kid can win an NBA game. I, even though he's done it for years now, I'm like, ah, that that 13 year old, that chubby 13 year old kid that looks super unathletic. There's no way he's gonna win an NBA game. So I'll take Chris Paul over that kid anytime. Awesome. All right. With no disrespect to Jokic, because he's way better than everyone else, but still. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's move along to the NFL. Uh, quick takeaways from this previous week. Um. Uh, there's not like an enormous amount to say. The Cowboys lost, which is a big deal. Titans lost. The the Bucks uh, still can't beat anybody. Uh, I don't know. There's not, not a ton to say here. Anything you guys want to say, Trevor? I'll start with you on uh, takeaways from um, from Week 15. Yeah. Well, besides the fact that the Patriots had one of the worst losses in NFL history, <laughs> um, and the fact that. Uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks completely blew the game in the third quarter to Ben's Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I, I think we have to talk about the Cowboys um, because the Cowboys are a team that I've kind of liked, you know, over really the, this season. I, I've liked the, the their prospects to potentially make the Super Bowl, looking at how good their defense was earlier in the season, not as good as lately. Um, looking at the fact that they have Micah Parsons, who is just an ultimate cheat code. He's been awesome. And the fact that I thought, I thought Dak Prescott was a top 10 quarterback. I'm not as sure anymore. I don't know. Um, since he, he never can seem to have like a, a signature game that, that in a big spot that wants to prove it to me. I, I don't know about Dak anymore. 
but the Cowboys just lost to the Jaguars in overtime 40 to 34. So they gave up 40 points total, 34 points in regulation. Um, this is supposed to be a Cowboys defense again that I thought was one of the best defenses in the NFL. I thought they were really solid, and I thought they had a pretty good defense. I thought they were a pretty well-rounded team, but now you have a close scare against the Texans. You beat them 27-23. That was weird, and now you lose to the Jaguars. And again, Brandon and I have been kind of sort of believers in Jaguars for a lot of the year. Um, so I guess you could argue maybe this isn't a terrible loss, but um. I think with the aspirations that the Cowboys have, I do think it is a pretty terrible loss uh, because you shouldn't be giving up that many points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You just shouldn't. So for me, the Cowboys are the biggest storyline of the week. Now they're sitting at 10-4. They have a big game against the Eagles today, and uh, I feel like they need that one. So I feel like the Cowboys definitely were worth mentioning. Previously, I would have said they were in that top five, top six group of contenders. I'm not as sure anymore. I think that Philly and the Niners are pretty clearly one and two in some order, and the Cowboys are not in that tier. Yeah, I, I just think that they're a step down. They're kind of in that good, not great team. Um, but the Jags, I really think we're sleeping on the Jags. I said this quite a while ago, um, and I'll stick to it. I, I think the Jags are really not a bad team, and they're only getting better. We've seen... This year, Lawrence is, you know, fully developing. We've seen Travis Ntien take a step up. Calvin Ridley will be on the team next year. Um, this team has a lot of weapons, and they have a lot of ability. Uh, ben, any takeaways that you want to talk about quickly before we move on? I mean, that Lions-Jets game, like, that was an interesting game last week because it was kind of like, it, it's now or never for both those teams. Like, the, the team that won that game was kind of sitting, sitting pretty at least a little bit, and the team that lost was in trouble. And now, obviously, since then, we've seen the Jets lose another game to where their season's almost over. But, I mean, shout-out to the Lions. Like, I know we've kind of kept track of them all year because of you guys' bet between them and the Panthers. But, I mean, kind of like – and the Lions are kind of like what – in my opinion, they're kind of like – and maybe not to the same extent, but I compare them as, like, what the Grizzlies are in the, NBA, in the NBA where it's like, how can you not root for them? Like, you're just happy for them. You're happy for their fans. You're happy for the players. They've suffered enough. Now they have talent, and they, it seems like they – you know, picking top five in the draft the last, like, five billion years is starting to pay off for them. Um, I'm happy for him. It was, it was a nice win against against a, a really good Jets defense. Jared Goff has been phenomenal this year. Um, their defense has been better recently. Um, I'm happy for the Lions. I will continue to root for them, mainly because they have no affiliation with, with what I need my team to do. They're in the NFC. So, um, I mean, that was a big takeaway for me last week, is just seeing them able to win a, a tough game against a tough defense on the road. Good for them. I'm happy for Jared Goff and company. Yeah, I fully agree. I think the Lions are solid. I said at the beginning of the year, it's why I couldn't believe Trevor took the Panthers to win more games than them. Trevor was sleeping on the Lions a little bit. Um, and, and the Lions are a football team. I think they might make the playoffs. Uh, they very well might. Um, let's keep on moving along here, though, um, and go to our cross-off. Uh, we have come to a consensus on a team today. We're, we're getting to the end here where it's looking tough. Uh, one big issue that, I forget who pointed it out, but the AFC South, the only team left that we have is the Titans. Um, the Titans are the only team left, and I think they are not going to win the division. So we we really messed it up there a little bit uh, with the Jags' emergence of being a good team. But they are not the team that we are picking today, uh, even though I don't think that they will make the playoffs. The team that we have decided, Trevor, why don't you let the, uh, the fans know, let the, let the listeners know. Yeah, so I think today it's got to be the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they are six and eight. Um, essentially, we I mean we talked about it before the podcast, going through the scenarios of what they would need to have happen um, in order to make the playoffs. They have to win out, and they need a lot of other teams to lose um, in order to make it, which seems pretty unlikely. Um, they have the Saints at home today. Then they go at Washington and at Pittsburgh to finish up the season. Just just to start, they have to win all three of those games, and I don't think they're going to do that. And then they need so many other things to happen. So I think this is a pretty safe pick here um, to go with the Browns. Yeah, I, I think it's just their time. Uh, we've held off because they technically can still make it. Um, but I think at this point, the odds are really, 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 really slim. They'd have to win out and have a lot of teams lose. Um, so in my opinion... I think the Browns are out. Ben, final thoughts on the Browns as we get rid of this team that no one cares about. Yeah, I'll give them credit. They've, they've held off longer than they probably should have. I think, I mean, we, there was an argument like a month of, a month ago for them to be crossed off, and they've kind of always just been on that border of like, well, if everything goes right, they could make the playoffs. 
Um, but now we're getting to a point where you can say that for every team that's still left on our list. So right. We got to cross off somebody. The, the Browns time has come. I mean, shout out to the Browns. Best fans in football. You can buy a ticket that, for their game today for like $5 or something. So clearly uh, the, the fans are still all in on them. Um, but I think their, their time has come. And they're, they're not making the playoffs. They'd have to essentially, if, if they make the playoffs, then every Browns fan should just win the lottery because they probably have a better chance of winning the lottery than making the playoffs anyway. I would say I would say to be fair, I think the fact that you might be able to buy a ticket for five dollars is because of the weather, not necessarily because no, of Trevor, uh, just, Browns just fans give me this loyalty. One, Trevor, <laughs> Trevor, just give me this one. They're not loyal. Weather's terrible. They're they're, they're, the they're city, onto the Cavs. In the city it's, of Cleveland, Cavs I'm hoping I hope they plow downtown because it wasn't last night when I went to the Cavs game. <laughs> Trevor, it's a, it's a Cavs town now. They're they're onto the Cavs. They've forgotten well, all about the Browns. They should now. be a Cavs town, but they're not because Northeast Ohio is football all the way, all the time. Well, I think they just like being losers up there, and they, they'd rather root for a loser than a winner. That's just me, though. What do I know? You know, look, I'll give the Browns fans credit. They they root for their team no matter what. They are loyal. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. Let's uh, move on here to SBP Bets. This is where we all made bets with each other, uh, just for kind of fun. Um, oh, well, hold, hold on. It is not for fun. Oh, yeah, we actually The winner are, gets something. something I, I want to make There's this very clear that the winner does get something. Now that it's almost <laughs> over, I don't want us thinking that we're not playing for anything here. No, no, no. We are playing for something. I was more... All right, Ben, shut up. So, look, uh, our first bet between all of us was the average points that a team scores in the NFL this year. Uh, ben, you chose 22.2. Trevor, 22.4. And I chose 22.9. It is staying strong at 22.0. We like that. I, with relatively good certainty, think Ben will be the uh, the winner in our overall bet. Let's get, some, win get some ben. shootouts. We need some shootouts today. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of shootouts in the five-degree weather all around this country, Trevor. It's going to be <laughs> wild. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They, there would need to be a lot of points. A lot of points. Um, all right, we move on over to Ben and Trevor. You guys have Brady versus Burrow touchdowns. This one can't possibly be close. Uh, what is it at right now, Ben? Yeah, it's not close. Um, Burrow picked up another one last week. He had four touchdowns. I think Brady had three last week. So Burrow's up 11, 31 to 20. Um, yeah, it's not that close. is chalked. I'm going to be honest, and I love Tom Brady, but Burrow can sit these last three weeks, and I don't think Brady's throwing 11 touchdown passes in the next no. three weeks, just based off of what's happened this year. I love Tom Brady. I agree. Um, but not a good year for him. So I think that one's pretty much chalk. I do not like Tom Brady, and I'm happy that this has resulted in what it's resulted in. Um, moving along, Ben, me and you, we have Herbert versus Allen touchdowns. Um, I'd imagine this one's pretty much chalk, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's up to 9, 30 to 21. Um, again, like, I mean, just, Justin, uh, not Justin Herbert, uh, Josh Allen throwing four touchdowns against the Dolphins last Saturday. I mean, that, I, th- in my mind, that pretty much sealed it. Um, yeah. I'll take Josh Allen with a nine touchdown lead any day. I don't care how many weeks are left. Yeah, I think I got the short end of the stick here. I remember I wanted Allen and then Herbert, these receivers were out pretty much the whole year. They've come, I wrote in my last article, they combined have been out like 12 or 13 games. So I think, uh, that was, I got the short end of the stick there, but that's Okay. Good W for you. Trevor, between me and you, it is Panthers and Lions wins. Um, I I think I've almost secured this one. The Panthers are horrendously bad, um, and the Lions are probably going to make the playoffs. Well, not probably, but they have a good shot. Um, yeah. And I am up two wins, seven wins versus five. Unfortunate result for you there. Um, yep. Really, frankly, Trevor, you, 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 were, you didn't do well against anyone in this. Well, yeah. I, I mean, perfect transition here. I mean, the Lions and the Panthers do play today. So huge game, yes, and you can put that bet away if the Lions win today, Brandon. If the Lions win today, it will be over. So it's a must win for the Panthers. Let's go, Carolina. Um, I'm rooting for you. Um, I, on any other occasion, I would not be watching a second of this game, but today I'm gonna I'm gonna watch some of it because I have a rooting interest in the Carolina Panthers. So let's go, Carolina. Yeah, I don't even think this game's going to be close. The, it's two and a half. I'm projecting the Lions win by 10+. plus. The Panthers are terrible. Um, anything else, Ben? Any games you want to poke at here and talk about real quick? We got Eagles-Cowboys, which obviously will be, at least I hope, a solid game. We have Commanders-Niners should be a good game. Giants-Vikings. Patriots-Bengals, solid game. Uh, Chiefs-Seahawks. We have some good games today. Anything that you want to, you know, that speaks to you? Yeah, I mean, there's some decent games. I think the only great game is Eagles-Cowboys, and even that, like, it's it's kind of, now that Jalen Hurts is out, it's still a good game. I mean, it's still two, it's still one, one really good team and one team that might be frauds. Um, but it's a big matchup, um, just for playoff implications in, in the NFC. And I do think, I mean, Gardner Minshew, even though he is a backup quarterback, he's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL because he has a decent amount of experience as a starting quarterback. 
Um, he's a good athlete. He's a freak athlete. He can make plays with his feet. He's got a decent arm. Um, so I'm actually excited for that game. I, I am. I, I don't really know who I want to win because I'm not a huge Eagles fan because their fans are annoying. But also the Cowboys are frauds. So it's like I'd love to see the Cowboys lose to a backup quarterback. I think that'd be hilarious. Um, so I'm just going to root for, for, for some good football in that game. I don't really care who wins. Um, but that probably is, even with Hurts out, that probably is the most marquee matchup, the, you know, the, the best matchup of the day. Decent games today. Other than that game, probably nothing super special, though. Interesting. Trevor, final thoughts on this upcoming week before we wrap up the pod for today. Yeah, I mean, the best game of the day is Eagles-Cowboys. Can't wait to see that one. It's going to be really interesting. Again, the Cowboys, they really need it. The Eagles really don't. They're 13-1. They're not locked into the one seed, but, like, kind of. Like, it's pretty unlikely yeah. that they won't get the one seed. Um, so that's the best game of the day for sure. I mean, patriots Bengals, uh for a second week in a row. Uh, ben, you know, Ben's favorite team beat Tom Brady. Now it looks like they're going to beat the Patriots. Uh, so it's unfortunate, you know, uh, the Patriots have had, uh, you know, an up and down year. I would say mostly down, even though they're seven and seven, Mac Jones doesn't seem to be the answer. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily is it the... zappy time. Trevor, is it zappy? Well, time? I, to be honest with you, I wanted it to be is zappy, it zappy time. hour. I wanted it to be zappy time about a month ago, personally. Um, All right. but you so know, you heard, you heard it here first. Officially, it is Zappy Hour for well, the Patriots. We we will see. I mean, I, I don't Reddit. think Zappy's that great either necessarily, but I don't think they have a good yeah, quarterback more fun. on the roster. I feel like he's more fun. He'd yeah, more fun. If you're gonna lose, it's more fun to watch Maybe. him than Mac Jones. I feel like. Maybe so. So we'll see with the Patriots. I mean, there's there's even rumblings about. I mean, I don't know how much longer will Belichick coach. I've heard some rumblings about that with the Patriots. I don't think everything in that organization going on is is great right now. Um, obviously they have Matt Patricia calling the plays, which has been terrible. So we'll see what happens with, uh, the Patriots. Other than that, I mean, yeah, I think the other good games, again, Cowboys and Eagles is the best one. And then outside of that, I mean, Giants, Vikings, I guess both of these teams have been not as great as maybe the record would show. So I think that's an interesting game. It will matter for playoff implications. So Giants Vikings would be the other one that I would look towards. Um, just something interesting I want to say to wrap up here. Um, who has a higher ticket as their lowest ticket? Who has is more money, if that makes sense? The Falcons Ravens game or the Saints Browns game? Note that both games are supposed to feel like negative like fifteen degrees. Oh. I mean, Jeez. I know the answer to that, so I'm not going to answer. Okay, Trevor, it's to you. The so the higher, the lowest ticket, like the lowest ticket, what's the highest? Yeah, whoever, what is the uh, the the highest bidding low ticket for um, this game? I mean, I, I guess the highest would probably be the Baltimore Atlanta game. Well, it is tied at two dollars a piece. You can get into oh. those games, two dollars a piece. Wow. But look, I think we'll wrap up the pod there for today. Thank you so much for Josh. Uh, Baskin for coming on the Soccer Encyclopedia. We really appreciate you. I'm sure he'll be listening to this, so thank you very much. Of course, check out the website, thesmallballers.com. The link is in the description. Check out all of our articles. Uh, Trevor, I'd imagine you're coming out with an article soon, uh, which will be great. The A18 podcast is, of course, still running. Uh, go subscribe to that. And, of course, subscribe to our podcast here. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!